Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. So, Ryan, what is it we're trying to accomplish with this podcast exactly? Well, the goal, I think, is multifaceted. First and foremost, it's to celebrate just the whole canon of Paul McCartney's output after the Beatles. Meaning the uh, whole canon. Yes, it is. uh, All of it is a tremendously large amount of music, which it seems to me that not many people respect, or respect might be the wrong word, but maybe people don't understand Paul's output. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, most people don't even perhaps know the albums. Even to pick a non-hit from one of the albums is to get into deep cuts of a sort, right? That's right. But what we've found is that um, the albums are the tip of the iceberg. Yes, there is so much material to go through. And so much of it is very, very good. Some of it's not so good. But if you have the patience and the discipline to wade through everything, it sheds a lot of light on an often misunderstood artist who, for most accounts, is one of the most popular and most prolific songwriters, of at least while we've been alive. That's right. And, and prolific is, is the key. So I, I think a lot of what we would like to accomplish here is to dig in and not only we want to talk about the albums, we want to talk about the hits. You know, we will address all of that, but we want to get a little further than that because McCartney wrote many, many more songs and made many, many more polished records than the public ever got to hear, really. Some of them were released, of course, but buried on B-sides and released long after they had been recorded. That's right. Um, you know, I'm, th- I'm thinking of the Return to Pepperland stuff that came out on, what, Off the Ground B-sides mostly? Yeah. Some yeah. flaming pie. Maxi singles, oh, no. extra tracks, more like it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not even the... real B-sides like in the old days. In the 70s, a B-side could kind of penetrate to the public, but... By the time you're talking about maxi singles, CD maxi singles in the in the 90s, nobody's listening to those extra tracks, so they're really getting buried. Some of those were the cold cuts thing. For those of you who don't know the cold cuts, the most famous of his unreleased albums was just pulling these unreleased or unfinished records that didn't make it into previously released albums. And even McCartney, I believe in the McCartney 2 archive collection release, he says himself, some of these songs might have been better than the songs that were on the original albums. Yeah, it was really gratifying to see him say that, huh? Yeah. I mean, we've thought that for years. Years and years and years. You have a guy who was in the probably the best band of all time, and like you're saying, putting out B-sides and singles that aren't included on the albums, carrying on in this Beatles tradition of just putting everything out, everything out, all of this output, all of this songwriting, and all of it's so high, he sometimes didn't even realize what he had or how it fit into an album. And right. maybe Paul had too much control or maybe he had a 
the people at the label didn't quite want to push back on him, but there's a lot of stuff that the public, I think, needs to hear that hasn't heard because it's just buried. And that's what we're here to do. We're helped to uncover those hidden gems and kind of yeah. shed light on it. Paul's career as fans. We love him. Well, well, what Paul had as much as anything was, you know, the so-called weakness of abundance, right? Yes. Just <laughs> embarrassment of riches. He, he just had so many ideas and was such a, frankly, workaholic at times that he ends up with more songs than he quite literally knows what to do with. That gets us back to our problem that he didn't always know quite what to release. The songs were coming so fast. Things were recorded. I've been astounded in reading the Parasi book to see how quickly things were done, to see that the songs on, you know, the basic tracks for Ram were recorded, but one a day. Paul comes in in the morning with some material. They work all day and that's it. That's the basic track. Next song tomorrow. Well, that's just a, an astoundingly rapid, yeah. you know, rate of productivity. All the while, the Beatles are in the middle of a lawsuit. Paul's suing them all to get out of a contract. He's doing that album in New York. There, there's just a lot of rich history, not only in the music, but in the stories behind some of these songs and some of these albums. And it's just amazing to even consider that a person like this existed. And, and it's not like we just think Paul is amazing, like John and George and even Ringo are amazing in their own ways. Like, how did these guys come together? I mean, that's probably a whole separate podcast. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I, I was just watching, um, I believe it was John and Yoko's first appearance on the Dick Cavett show in September 71, the other night, around the time Imagine was released. John was asked the question, as usual, you know, uh, about Yoko having broken up the Beatles, which I don't know if that's your take on it. It's not my opinion that Yoko no, broke up the Beatles. Not mine and, yeah. yeah, and and John says as much. He says, "Well, no, no woman or outside force could break up the four of us." But he goes on to say, "Anyway, why don't you people always congratulate Yoko on all the excellent music we've made since we broke up?" <laughs> <laughs> and the four of us have made all this wonderful music. You yeah. know, how about give her credit for that instead of blaming her for the Beatles? Absolutely, and that's something. Right, we can and that's get a into. really strong statement of, "Hey, we've moved on, and we're doing good stuff." By the way, there's some Lennon quote that follows that train of thought, where he's like, "I'd have to pull the book." Yeah, I, I totally mangled that quote just now. By the way, oh, I, no, I paraphrased that, but <laughs> oh, please, listeners, understand: we are neither of us are journalists. This is this is for fun. <laughs> But, but you can look up, and I advise looking up, that excellent uh, Dick Cavett show. It's the whole show, hour and a half, on YouTube. Wow. Well, yeah, John at some point was saying, well, if you just take the John Lennon songs that are out, this is sometime in the 70s. It might even have been some interview in 1980. If you take the songs that I've released and some of the songs George released and some of the Paul and Wing songs and maybe a Ringo song and you put them together, Beatle albums exist. They're just in yes. four locations now that's a yeah. whole other conversation that's a whole nother podcast also yeah but we you, you don't get to you don't get away with it because uh, hold on i've got a quote from the tom doyle book where Here paul we go. says that this is uh this is the little interview quote the beginning of chapter 10 of tom doyle's man on the run paul mccartney yes. in the 70s yeah the question was, it's tempting to snip up those solo Beatles LPs and picture maybe Jet on the same album as Imagined and My Sweet Lord. And McCartney's reply is, that's right. Could have been all right. 
let's do that then and we'll call it the Beatles. It would have been good, I suppose, from that point of view. But we just decided we'd done it. Come full circle and goes on from there. Um, but, you know, he basically says, sure, do that if you want. Call it the Beatles. Fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just marketing. It's just packaging. And I just love that all of this material is coming out, all of these books, all of these reissues, you know, starting with the Beatles remasters in 2009. And these guys were aware of the same things that we're talking about as fans. They're mm-hmm. so aware of themselves. And that's, I think, partly why they were so successful. So are there other topics we want to cover on the podcast that we should let people in on? Uh, addressing misperceptions is a kind of a broad issue. We're not McCartney apologists. We have a critical take on yes. much of McCartney's solo work, sure. and we'll, we'll, hit, we'll get to that along the way. But in addition to letting people know the quantitative difference between what's known and what really exists, also the qualitative one. There are a lot of really um, misplaced criticisms of McCartney that I'd love to see us take on on occasion. And those are sometimes based on the fact that people just don't know all the work. But there were a lot of uh, really nasty criticisms leveled at McCartney, especially 70 through 76 period that seemed to come from something other than an, an objective assessment of the music. It's a lot of it's about the Beatles having broken up, the, I don't know, the promise of the 60s having gone awry, McCartney's perceived disconnectedness from the world, etc. And not always really based on, is this a good album? Are these good songs, you know? Yeah, you're, well, I mean, the greatest example of that is the critical assessment of Ram at the time, which... I know it's one of your favorites. It's probably my favorite or one of them. And everybody hated it. They were like, this is terrible. Yeah, I I will tell you, Ram is my very favorite. Another thing this show's not going to do is devolve into us just naming favorites. (laughs) We promise. But, you know, Ram is is my very favorite, actually. And it's amazing to me to read some of those nasty reviews from the time and think, are they hearing the same album? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And McCartney certainly felt that himself. I've often wondered how differently McCartney's career might have unfolded had Ram been uh, received with a little respect, with the respect it deserved, because it's a major accomplishment, that album. It's a huge production. Uh, Real, like, worthy of Beatles, you know, massive production. Intricate recording techniques and engineering techniques and arrangements. And the fact that he just got torn apart for that how much did that undermine his confidence i mean it's telling that the next thing we heard from mccartney was wings wildlife which is not my favorite paul mccartney yeah i spent all this time i spent all this probably money or at least label money some of these songs are basic essentially beatles songs like he had to have been and we'll touch on that the whole 68 through what did you say 71 or 70 71 yeah 72 where he's just out he's Putting out so many demos, writing so many songs, some that didn't even get released until the '90s, yes. or or today with the art. Mama's stuff. little girl. <laughs> Mama's little girl. Great day. Which what was, was that? A, that was a that was a put it there B side. Yeah. Nine, eighty-nine or ninety or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Looking like a rag Mama's little girl. Singing like a sky. Well, yeah, like I, like I said, great day. 
Is that called Great Day? Yeah, it's called mm-hmm. Great Day. Great Day. It ended yeah. up on uh, Flaming Pie. That's, That's a right. demo from Ram. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wildlife recorded in two weeks. Well, when we get to... I mean, wildlife has its charms, but it's it certainly no Ram. Part of why we're here is that our least favorite McCartney albums have their charms. That's correct. Right? That's it. <laughs> That's it. And you so you just have to chop away at okay, well Mumbo. Why didn't you put the lyrics on there, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> there are no lyrics. <laughs> you know, you could have put some lyrics in that thing. That thing yeah. was okay. But I, well, we can get into this yeah, when we yeah, talk yeah. about Wings Wild. I, I have some opinions about Mumbo and Bip Bop, and I, I wonder if they aren't fine just the way they are. But. Well, we will soon find out. We will soon yes. find out. Um, All right, so is that going to wrap up episode zero? Yeah. So the goal of this podcast is for us to shed light on an often misunderstood period for a very popular recording artist help wade through the very, very large output that this guy was doing, honor a talented craftsman and songwriter, and finally just have fun and explore this whimsical and hard-rocking and often contradictory discography. Yeah, it takes a certain open-heartedness to dig into McCartney's work. You know, you have to be willing to take it for what it is, and, and you have to have a sense of humor Partly because Paul intends it, but even when he doesn't intend it, uh, you have to have a sense of humor about it. And uh, yeah. Well, let's do it. That's it. All right. On to episode one. Our theme music is Martha, My Dear by John Lennon and Paul McCartney, realized by Ryan Brady.